Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. So, it is my honor and privilege to introduce our first speaker. Jerry, would you come up and share your heart with us? Come on, give Jerry a big hand. Well, good morning. It's still morning. Uh, I want to say happy Father's Day. Um, <clears throat> before I start, uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you for Pastor Chad for working with me this week and, and all the support of all the men that, you know, that I found in this household. Uh, and this is our household. This is our church. Um, it, it just amazes me, you know, the work that the Lord does, like even in this moment, you know, I've spoke uh, earlier uh, today and he's just doing a work in me now, you know, and, and, and it's amazing to just kind of really be able to see that, you know, um, there's been, my sisters here, you know, my nieces and nephews, I had a friend that hasn't been, you know, been to church in years show up today and it's just, yeah. And, you know, it comes with our obedience, you know, me saying yes to doing something like this, which I was terrified of, you know, and it, it just like, I mean, I've been tugging like for the last like few weeks to, to kind of put something on paper to kind of, you know, present something because what the Lord has done for me in such a little time is amazing, you know, and you don't want to leave any part of it out, you know, and the fact that he blessed me to be a father, you know, and to raise up these kids that I have, I mean, it's just, it's, it's an honor. So I wanted to start with that. Um, and, and also, I just want to thank God, you know, for, for using the unqualified to do his work. And, and that's, that's important. Um, my name is Jerry. Um, as many of you may know, I'm a father of four. Um, I grew up very differently than my children. Uh, I grew up without a father present in my household uh, and not without a relationship uh, with my heavenly father. My household consisted of my mom and two sisters. Um, and I knew my dad. Uh, my dad. My dad was in prison. So he didn't have that, you know, I knew he loved me, but he didn't have the opportunity to be there. Uh, so I was without a father. Um, like I said, I had two sisters. I had, I had a mom that loved me. I had a great support system. But, uh, but things, are, it's different, you know. And what I found out uh, is that being in this different household, it, I didn't feel different because all of the households around me were the same. You know, my uh, my aunts, you know, they didn't they didn't know their dad. And so their kids didn't know their dad. Their dads were in prison or, you know, we all had different circumstances, but it wasn't anything different. It wasn't anything different for me. I found out my dad, his dad, you know, died at a very young age. My mom's dad wasn't in the picture. So it's it's this general it's this generational issue that we had. But I never felt any different, you know. Um, but, you know, with that being said, there's a lot that you don't get, you know, now that I'm a dad and, you know, the, the values that I put on my kids and the different, you know, things that we touch on, I, I didn't have them. You know, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom with my sisters battling on, you know, hair gel, you know what I mean? And <laughs> trying to, to match outfits and things like that, you know, and you, it, it, you know, it's, it's a little different, you know? So I, I, like I said, I didn't have a dad to teach me the little things like camping, fishing, uh, barbecue. I, I really don't know how to barbecue, you know, uh, I couldn't change a tire for you. Um, you know, I bought my first house and I didn't know how to, how to, na- you know, how to use a, a hammer, a nail gun, you know, a drill, any of these things. Uh, but bigger things, you know, like I didn't have an example of how to be a husband, you know, to my wife. Um, 
how to be a father to my kids, um, or even just to do how to be a man, you know, and how to even love God. Um, so, you know, grow, growing up without it, you know, dad did create insecurities in my childhood. Um, and I didn't, re I didn't fully realize I even had them until I had kids of my own and I was married. Um, because, you know, looking back, it's like, I mean, I had like an older cousin, you know, I maybe had an uncle, you know, kind of here and there. Um, but one thing that we all had in common is we didn't have a relationship with the Lord, you know. So it's like the blind leading the blind. It's young men that are grouped together that have kind of like found this protection with each other. Um, that are fatherless, you know, here and, and fatherless in our present. And it's like, it doesn't create the best environment, you know. Uh, and, and through that, you know, I became like this young, like very hard, like calloused man, you know, very vain, you know. Um, like I said, I, I spent a lot of time in the bathroom, you know what I mean, with my sisters. And those are the compliments that I would receive, you know, from, oh, you're a handsome man, you're this or that. And that's where my confidence came. Like, oh, okay, cool, you know. Or, you know, I'm with my cousins and whatnot, and, you know, you – uh you're always taught to protect your sisters, protect your mom, and you do all these things. And we try to fill this void of what a father is in our household, and, and it hardened me, you know. And so when I'm, you know, you're in the streets, you're fighting, you feel like that's where your confidence comes in. And you're like, cool, like I found, you know, but that's it, man, it causes so many more problems. Um, and, and I brought those, all those problems into my marriage, you know, and, and into being a young father. You know, I had my first kid at 19, you know. Um, so... I was very selfish. You know, I thought an idea of a good dad was going to work all week. Uh, but first thing, if opportunity I had, I wanted to have a beer, you know what I mean? And go out with the fellas or go do these things, go watch football on Sunday. And, you know, as I grew more and more and as I grew with the Lord, I found like, I'm, you know, I'm away from my family all week working. And then I'm away from my family being selfish on the weekends, just trying to do things that I think like men do because this is what all the men around me are doing, you know, and that's, I, it's, I feel privileged to be up here and to look around and look out at these men that, you know, we have that commonness, we have that likeness, you know what I mean, and, and it, it starts here, it starts there, so um, moving on, uh, you know, after 50 years, I would say, and this is, I'm referring to my mom, um, and her trying to do everything on her own, uh, she finally gave her life to Christ, she's the one that invited me to the Promise Center. Um, by her example, her invitation, and by God's love, I shortly followed. Um, and, and that's why I can stand here today amongst these men in this group and, and be considered a rad dad, you know. <laughs> the Lord has blessed me with two wonderful daughters, two awesome sons who I have a privilege of being a dad to each and every day. Um, and, I, and I look at that now, and I haven't always looked over this course of time as it being a privilege. You know, a young man, you know, having a kid and your friends, you know, are off to college and doing these different things. I mean, there's, there's more insecurities there. And it's like, man, you know, do I really know what I'm doing? I, what about this? What about that? And it's, it's, it's only until I found the Lord that he just made all those things okay for me. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm at today, you know. I just, uh, I just had 14 years of marriage uh, with my wife, you know. And, and even more on, the, on this journey, um, you know, once I accepted, accepted you know, the Lord uh, as my father, uh, man, he reintroduced me to my father, you know. Um, my father's my daily workout partner. Um, we sit in church service together. Um, more than that, um, by my example, by my invitation, by God's love, you know, I let him, you know, I was, you know, I helped lead him to Jesus, you know. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, and, and even to heighten that story, by serving on the baptism team, I was actually able to baptize him. I physically baptized my dad. And that, that, that came two years after I was baptized to the day, you know. And we go through life and we, and we talk about coincidences or things like that. But it's like, I mean, this is God's story. We're just a part of it, you know what I mean? And saying yes to things like this and saying yes to even filling out a connect card or even an invitation to church is, is huge, man. And, and you just let him do his work, and, and, and he does, you know. Um, so, you know, I look back and, and kind of going into that, kind of just letting God do his thing. I look back and all of a sudden, you know, this household that I grew up that was, you know, had, didn't have Christ anywhere to be found and didn't have a father to be found. Now, now my mother's, a, you know, a Christian and, and my dad's baptized into the body and, and, and I'm a Christian and, and we're, we're a foundation, you know, that's centered around the Lord, you know what I mean? And it's like only he can do that, you know? So, um, but, that, that, but that's why I, I stand up here today and it's like, man, you, you, all through the Bible you see that the Lord uses the disqualified to do his work. And I'm so thankful that he does that, you know. Um, and, and, and this is what he does. I mean, he used a fatherless child uh, to raise up four kids of his own, as well as uh, serve, you know, with the youth at this church. Um, he used a boy from a single mother household to be an example of what 14 years of marriage looks like. Uh, he used a man who 30 out of his 34 years of age was without Jesus to help those who make the decision in their heart to follow Christ be baptized by me serving on the baptism team. Um, and, and I feel like the, it's the most important thing, man, that Jesus is trying to do through me um, is to show, like, my closest friends, my family, just what the power of yes looks like in his body, you know? And, and, and that's what it's about. It's about saying yes to a couple things, a little bit of uncomfortableness. I mean, like I said, today, I, I've, I've been blessed today. You know, I, I've been blessed today. This is something that I could never imagine myself doing and, and now it's like there's just comfort, you know, and, and, I, and I hope that, you know, some of these words can just be, you know, can, can, uh, can bless some of these men out here, these young boys. Um, but, you know, what I want to end with is that, uh, you know, the Bible, God is, 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 the, is called to be, or he says he's the father of the fatherless, you know what I mean? And, you know, you look around the room, we've got all different types of situations, but there's a lot of strong men in here, man, that can connect with these young kids or young men of the same age or all these different demographics, but that, that is our calling, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what I feel in my heart today, and if I didn't say anything else, I want to say that, man. It's, it doesn't matter about what situation you grew up in, man. We all, have, we all have that opportunity to accept him as our father, man. Center. Can you hear me? All right. There we are. <clears throat> All right. Well, I thought going in, coming out of yesterday that I was ready for today, and then God woke me up early and said, let's do something different. <laughs> so bear with me. Um, all right. So I'm going to be reading a little bit more than I'd like to, but uh, bear with me on that. <sighs> At 10 years old... I stood in the foyer of a church that was, had every seat full and no standing room. People spilled out through the foyer and down the stairs on the outside. This was my dad's funeral. People kept streaming by me, and time and again, I kept hearing people say to me, you're the man of the house now, Eric, at 10 years old. 
Hmm. My life was turned upside down that day. And then it got worse. We left home. We left Chicago. We moved here to where my mom grew up in Santa Rosa. Hmm. Chicago, yeah. <laughs> the Windy City. Um, moving here, it was just, I felt uh, off balance. And uh, my grandfather started stepping in, filling the gaps, and uh, going to a new school and stuff. He started just being there. But then at 14, my grandfather was diagnosed with prostate cancer and promptly died. And I can remember it clear as day, sitting in my bed, and uh, I was just mad at God. And I said, you've taken away all my male influences. And these were guys who were loved in their communities. These are guys who did great things in our communities, had lots of knowledge, lots of skill. And I said, God, I'm never going to be able to get that. And I was mad. Then I got married, and I was thinking I'd be able to get a dad. And uh, I happened to marry the pastor's daughter at our church. And uh, he was a, an amazing guy, um, very smart, lots of influence, and blessed lots of people. But he didn't know how to be a dad. I didn't realize that his dad had actually physically abused him. So he didn't know how to be dad. And uh, didn't realize the pain that would come through that. My wife and I felt... Um, pain of having dad present, yet absent. And then when we brought our, our dreams of following in his footsteps, and that was met with criticism rather than affirming, we were negated, our dreams were crushed. We live today in an epidemic of fatherlessness. Yeah. In this room, we have those who have lost dads, or never had dads ever. We've lost them in death. We've lost dads in work, them being workaholics. We've lost dads by them just not being absent, them being absent. Some have lost dad through abandonment or divorce. Some have had worse. Some have had an abusive dad. And as such, they don't even understand how to receive a heavenly father. The number one thing all of these have in common is that we all still need dad. Mike Rowe of the show Dirty Jobs is quoted in the Washington Times as saying in a Facebook post that bullying is a symptom of a society that seems to value fatherhood less and less. How many of you watched, have watched shows that your kids might have been watching and dads are made a mockery, right? Dads are the buffoons. They're not the ones to go ask advice of, not like leave it to beaver. <laughs> Malachi chapter four, it says, uh, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, God will send the spirit of Elijah and turn the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. In 2005, I was praying and God led me to this verse <clears throat> and in selfishness I was praying God I want my father's generation to turn their hearts towards mine I want father so God in that time gave me actually two visions and he spoke to me the vi first vision was um, 
seeing a relay race of the generations and seeing a baton being passed through the generations. And God showed me, I'm not going to go into the visions really, but just God showed me that something was broken in the baton pass. Something wasn't being passed correctly. Then God showed me, he said, Eric, you're a son crying out for father. But at the same exact time, you're a father who has children. So I was now faced with a challenge because I was standing in deficit of what I didn't get, but having to turn and somehow give from what I never got. <clears throat> so the, the great thing about this verse, the verse that was up there, is what we can see is that before the end, before all of this comes, he has a plan to restore father. That's his heart. That's his desire. So even though I can see this, even though I can articulate this, I really don't think that I do this well. Um, I don't think I've fathered very well, but I have some amazing kids. Um, by the way, I didn't introduce myself. Eric Birkenes <laughs> and my wife, Jennifer, and I've got three of my kids present. Uh, and, and Joe and Grace were here in the first service. Um, so... I just want to say it's never too late to be dad. It's never too late to step in and be dad. If you've been a dad who's not done it well, start today. And you don't have to know how. This 48-year-old son, son still wants dad to hear my heart, to validate me. Hmm. So I think it's hard sometimes as a parent, it's hard to be dad because you have a child who might have some wacky, crazy dreams, and you're like, ah, uh, what? But it's okay. They need, their dreams need to be heard. So what I found is that um, fathering really is not that hard. Fathering's a spirit. It's a dynamic. And so it comes down to um, fathering's about listening well and then speaking from a place of wisdom, which really looks like, I see you. I hear you. I hear your heart. But even better than that, how can I help you? Yes. How can I help you get there? Hmm. So my first talk was going to be about what I missed and what God's done to show me about how to be dad. But God changed it up. He wants me to tell you about my dad, which is him. So let me tell you about my dad. When I needed dad with skin on, my dad came to me through the neighbor who taught me to drive and get my license. My dad came to me through the other neighbor who taught me how to change the oil in my truck. My dad came to me through the men at church who took me shooting or water skiing. My dad came to me through the man who saw an article about me in the paper, and he sought me out to affirm me and tell me what he saw about me, and is still seeking me out today, having just contacted me yesterday. My dad came to me through the men who, in generosity, gave me my trade of being a plumber and have helped me along the way, leading, lending me tools and being there when I've had questions. 
my dad helped me to go out on missions, opening a door to show us, uh, sorry, opening a door for us to go and teach in El Salvador, chasing a passion we had. That was George and Donna Snow in our community here. My dad listened to my ideas for sermons and chased ideas about God, and he responded with, oh, Eric, that's amazing. That's Robert Armitage here in our community. The truth is, <clears throat> the truth of it is, my daddy is God. And when I think back, he used those people to meet me in the areas where I needed dad with skin on. However, when I look back, I see that he met me by his spirit as well. Mm. When I was seven years old. Wow. Siri thinks I want to get onto the internet. <laughs> All right. So at seven years old, I stood in my backyard and I had this daydream that I now understand was God meeting me. And he showed me my future with him in uh, helping people come to him. I used to walk home at eight years old from the bus stop talking to God and him talking back and me singing songs that I never learned anywhere. Um, when my, my natural dad died at 10, God was there with me in my bed that night, leading me to write some poetry entitled Goodnight Sweet Prince to process the death of my dad. He was always there even when I got mad at him and pushed him away and held him at arm's length when I was chasing the things that I needed, quote, needed, that he wasn't giving me. <laughs> things that got me in trouble. <laughs> he called me back to him and has met me by his spirit and in his word with such validation and vision of who he is and who he's made me to be. And when I was coming back to him at 21, the, the word jumped off the page into my heart. And those verses, I had no clue those verses would be become life verses that today are still finding their way to reality. <clears throat> my dad has made a place for me in the family business. I've traveled on missions. I've seen hundreds of people healed, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs and jump in the air. I get to work in my daddy's business. I've been able to travel to other nations and teach people and inspire people to, to follow him. Hmm. My dad's made a place for me to work for him as well um, in my trade as I mentor men through my trade of being a plumber. Hmm. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 is Paul praying. And he says, I bow before the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth derives its name. Fathering comes from him. He fathers all of us, sometimes through our natural father, sometimes through others. And it's amazing. So I need to close because <laughs> I'm over time. So Stan, where are you? <laughs> um, I just want to say, as Stan's coming forward, I pray for all of you who are on that list, who have not had father, who have lost father, who have had father abuse you, the father in heaven. Father, I just pray you bring healing and restoration to all of those who are hungry for what father is, that you fill the gaps and you show them where you've been hiding all along in places they may not have realized in Jesus' name.
Thanks, Dan. When Pastor asked me to speak today, I think my first thought was, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> you know, father is not something that, that comes, that came naturally for me. You see, while my dad was present, he was a pastor, my father was, there's no other way to say it other than to say he was violent. He was abusive. His concept of discipline was so severe that he would beat you black and blue for a transgression. Woe be to you should you run in the church parking lot after service. Things like that. When he wasn't doing that, he was reminding you that you didn't toe the mark right, that you didn't measure up, that somehow or another you weren't all you could or should be. And then lastly, when he wasn't do that, he was just gone. So I thought, you know, how do I tell you how to be a father? But as I came... I sat down, and God just said, well, just tell them about you, and tell them what I did in you, and what happened to me is, because of that, there were some real, there was some desires, there were struggles, there was a lot of things that went on, but the first struggle was, as I really gave my heart to the Lord, I had a gap between me and Father God, because my prayer said, dear heavenly version of my earthly father, and that scared me. I literally can remember telling God, I am so scared of you. I mean, I just, I am scared. You terrify me, God. And the other thing it did in me was it caused me to want my own family. I came, even beginning, probably at age 12 or 13, I wanted two sons. I wanted my own family. I wanted my own wife, my own kids. I thought, we'll do this right will be the kind of family that I wished I had had. Now, I didn't have a clue how to do that. But God in his mercy, you know, he said, delight yourself also in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so while I was in Bible college, I met this beautiful gal who became my wife and gave me two wonderful sons. And uh, we didn't get pregnant until we were married almost five years, and I remember so clearly the day that she told me, I'm pregnant. I was ecstatic. I mean, you couldn't, my heart was so full of joy, and uh, my, my life was, seemed so full, and we had both boys, we had them at home. Um, that was an adventure. I think if it was, I, I, I came to really love and respect my wife, let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Delivering your own child is not something I highly recommend, but <laughs> oh, but I was my heart was just so full and and we had a home, and I made choices to be with them and to do things we homeschooled we did a lot of that stuff, and even after she was taken by cancer, I suddenly found myself a single dad, then I found a wonderful, beautiful woman actually i I'm not sure that she didn't find me, but however that occurred, she came into my life with her two children, and I was stepdad. And through the grace and mercy and caring of God, we blended a family until there's no step anymore. There is no step. There's just dad. I learned to give 
I learned to receive forgiveness. I learned what it meant to say, I blew it, guys. I mean, you know, would you forgive me? I learned to not duplicate the things that were part of my upbringing. I never disciplined the way that I was disciplined. And so God in his mercy has given me the desires of my heart in a way that I could not have pictured. I couldn't have laid it out for you and said, do this and you'll get it. All I ever did, honestly, was just seek the Lord. I mean, if, if, if I did anything at all, it was, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> what do you do with a teenage boy who's angry at his father? You make him your business partner 10 years later. <laughs> You may, if you want to hurt my so-called stepson, tell him he's my stepson. God has done things in my life and my family that you cannot possibly believe. We have uh, now 14 grandchildren, and it's just, yeah, I, I've, I've just experienced so many, many things as God. And there's just, there's just no other way to say it. God. God did it. God did it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. All I did was try and listen, and he, he did it. It's amazing. There's also been healing in the other area, the area that said, oh, God, you terrify me. Sometime after I was a grandfather, he dropped into my heart the verses in Ephesians chapter 1. I believe it's verses 4 and 5. And it says, according as he has chosen, and King James, I, I only memorized King James, I'm sorry. Um, it says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. And what that verse is basically saying is, listen, before the inception of the universe, Greek, if you like that, it's katrabole. And it means the beginning, the foundation, the very, the inception of you was when you and your mom, when your dad and your mom had a night or a day or whenever. Okay? That's your inception. And God is saying, before the inception of the world, before I made the planets, before I made the stars, before I made anything, you were in my heart. And he said to me, Stanley, I was looking forward to being your dad before there was Adam. I was looking forward to being your dad before anything existed. And my whole perspective began to change because I knew what it was like to look forward to a son. I knew what it was like to look forward to having a child. I knew what it was like to wanting a family that was loved. And caring. And God had given me that. And then to suddenly see that he felt that way about us before there was a universe. All of redemption's plan. Everything is aimed at one thing. And that's children. Bringing children into his presence. Becoming the father that is in fact our father in heaven. It was in his heart. And you are in his heart. So I just want to encourage you today as we begin to wrap it up that you are in the heart of the Father. What he's asking from you is come to me. Come to me. I will show you how to be a dad. I will show you how to act right. 
I will show you what the kingdom of God works like. Just come to me. You're in my heart. And that's the heart of the Father for you today. So I don't know where you're at or what God has done or some of you that think, well, maybe I just don't qualify. But he qualified you. He qualified you. And all he asks is that you just come. Come and be mine. Come and be my son. Come and be my daughter. And that's the heart of the Father today. God bless you.